0: I'll tell you one thing I know for sure. There is no shortage of women doing great things with their lives. And for many of these women, success is not measured by fame or by fortune. It is measured by the impact they have on their community. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. The woman you are about to meet has been devoted to lifting people up with her organization, Project Smile, since its founding 17 years ago. 18, actually, in 2003. In 2020, the nonprofit launched another initiative called Suits and Smiles, which provides work attire for men of all ages and ethnic backgrounds who face barriers to getting a job because they don't have the clothing they need to show up and feel good about themselves. She's a graduate of Hunter College with a master's from Anna Maria College, and I've been aware of her noble work for many years. I couldn't wait to sit down in my living room and to turn the fireplace on because it is a cool, crisp day in Boston, and to talk about Project Smile, her values, her goals, and her hopes for the future. Her name is Catherine Pizzicani, and this is her story. Catherine, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. I have admired you personally and, of course, your work for many, many years. Take me back to 2003, your decision to found Project Smile. What pushed
1: you toward doing this? The reason we came up with the Stuffed Animal Drive was I had seen a copy of the New York Post, and the front page of the story was horrific. It was a picture of these four brothers from New Jersey, and they were starved by their adoptive parents. And it was a shocking story that when one of the police officers arrived to take the boys out of the home, he gave the child, a little stuffed animal, a stuffed tiger they had kept in his cruiser to give to a child. And the little boy was clinging to it and he wouldn't let it go. And it just brought him such comfort. And that was where I got the initial idea to do a stuffed animal drive to donate to our area police officers. I was working at the time at the dover Sherburn Middle School and I ran the extended day program for the middle school. And we were looking for like a fun holiday activity to do with the children. And so we did a stuffed animal drive And we collected over 3,000 stuffed animals in a month, which was amazing. And then we donated to some local area police departments. And then it just took off from there. We got a little bit of publicity for the program. And people started reaching out, mostly moms whose kids had a lot of stuffed animals. And then we got great feedback from the police departments. And it just took off and expanded and grew from there. And I started running it full time the next year. Wow. So you went from the idea of a nonprofit
0: to running it full time the following yeah, year. Yeah. That must have meant you were on to something. How did
1: you come up with the name Project Smile? I was sitting at work and I was trying to come up with different names, like catchy, fun names. And I was like writing in a literally a spiral bound notebook and somehow landed on Project Smile. And I was like, oh, Okay, this sounds good. And the rest is
0: history. True. Your mission is broad. Project Smile is dedicated to helping people in need. Okay, so that's a big sentence because there's lots of needs out there. So, walk us through where you are with the charity now. There must be parts and pieces to it. Is it just you by yourself? Do you have
1: a whole group of volunteers? How does it go? It is just being by myself. Um, that hasn't changed, Candy, since we first met many, many are years ago. You a one-woman show. Ah, dear. Um, yes. So that is still going on. Um, we do have volunteers, always in need of more volunteers. So that's always a big need. Where we are right now is we're still doing our children's program. We expanded over the years to work with the Department of Children and Families and to provide items for firefighters. But then last year, we started a new program called Suits and Smiles, and that actually changed... That's why the mission of our organization became more broad, and that's dedicated to helping low-income men who are searching for work. Tell us what kinds of men you have been helping to find clothing. Where are they in their lives? They're all in a place where they're overcoming struggles. A lot of the men that we work with are recovering from addiction. They're in recovery programs, and now they're at the point where they're looking for work. So what's really important on a journey to recovery is that you are at some point able Defined full time works, you have stability, you have income, you have structure, you know, all those things. So that's where a lot of men are coming from. We've got other men that are new immigrants to the country. They're looking for their first full time jobs here. We have men that have been released from prison that are, you know, trying to turn their lives around, um, you know, maybe made some mistakes in the past, but now they want to start afresh and look for work and move forward in a productive way. So those are where the most of our men are coming from. We work with referring agencies. So everybody who we deal with has a referral to come to our program. So they're either in a recovery program in job training, social services, all different types of things. So it's men that have a clear interest and a clear need.
0: You've also been working with a lot of veterans who are trying to re-enter the job force. Yeah, and
1: there's so many people. So it's like such a wide swath of people that have come in, but they all have that same need where they don't have the money to get clothing for themselves, but they're looking for work. And they really have that Desire that drive to like get back and find employment. Tell us some of the stories about the people that you've worked with. There must be so many. There are many. Had a guy come in that was looking for work. You know, been through some difficult times in his life, and so I always ask, you know, what are you looking for? Is it like you know, full suit, all this? And so we're giving him the clothes, and I said to him, "Do you need shoes?" And he's like, "Yes, I don't have any." So in my mind, I thought that meant he didn't have any dress shoes because you know, most of the guys coming in don't have dress shoes. And then he says to me, no, he's like, I don't have any shoes. And I'm looking at his feet and he's got sneakers on. And then he said to me, he's like, I had to borrow these shoes from my roommate to come in here today. And I didn't know what to say because it's like, obviously, you don't, I mean, it's just, it was such a shock, right? Because you just take for granted. That's like the baseline, right? You know, if people have shoes, they have clothes or whatever, but you're dealing with people that literally don't have these things. And it was a shock. Here's this poor guy trying to like find work and he literally doesn't have shoes. We were able to get him two pairs of shoes and we got him a suit and, you know, an extra couple of like shorts and stuff like that. So he had things to go. But it's just a reminder of the inequality that exists. And that's really the goal of the program. You and I can probably, if we had job interviews and many other people look in your closet, you've got four or five different options, maybe more, but you're dealing with people that don't have that. And especially if you had trouble in your past, it's even more important that you go to an interview and you look smart, you look put together and you look ready to work. And so that's the idea is to try to make it equal everybody. I can
0: only imagine the transformation that you're able to see. I know you have volunteer stylists. Mm -hmm. A guy comes in, he had to borrow his roommate's sneakers. You give
1: him full outfits. Is there a transformation? Oh my God, Candy, there is such a transformation. It is amazing. If you're on our website, you can see a bunch of the photos. The before and afters. Yeah. yeah. There's a video of one guy as well, but there's a ton of photos. And then we also posted on Instagram. It is so heartwarming because not only are they looking amazing, but they come in and they're standing taller, they're smiling, they have this confidence that they didn't have 20 minutes ago when they came in. And for some of the guys, this could be the first suit that they've ever put on in their life. And some of them, like they're shocked, right? They look at themselves and they're like, wow, I could look like this. You know, It's wonderful to see. It brings me so much joy to see them see themselves it's all over your face. And
0: <laughs> everything about you just snaps right on when you start talking about the difference oh, that you're you. making. In the beginning, Catherine, I'm going to guess that it was hard to get the word out mm-hmm. about what you were doing, what the organization was all about. Take me back to the very beginning. You're sitting
1: there probably at your kitchen table with a great idea. Yeah, I mean, it's always been a challenge, Candy, right? Because there's a lot of charities doing a lot of great work for this has being like a basically a one woman show. It's been a constant struggle i can say over the last you know 17 years is to keep is to get the word out keep the word out you know maintain people's interests build the interest especially now with the men's program it's a lot of work it's very challenging
0: you know i'm thinking also that there are a lot of women's based charities Including Dress for Success, where yeah. we're taking care of the women, but we have to remember that the men also need to show up looking like they're
1: ready to get that job. Right, exactly. And actually, when I started the men's program, I've known the lady that runs the Dress for Success Boston chapter for a long time, and I'd reached out to her. And I said, You know, is there a program for men in the area? And she's like, No, there isn't. And she said to me, That's such a great need. So that was like a real inspiration as well to know I was on the right track in starting this program. Well, speaking of the right track, you had this great idea for Suits and
0: Smiles, and you launched it in January of 2020. And then something called a worldwide
1: pandemic happened after that. How did you survive during Um, that time? Yes, we had to shut down for a couple of months, you know, in the springtime from was that March to end of May. And then again, over the holidays last year, but we reopened on a permanent basis early March of this year. And obviously it was very sad to kind of start a new program and then have to shut down. And even worse was the fundraising was just, there's been no events. There's been, yeah, it's been literally a nightmare. (laughs) It's lonely also when
0: you are stewarding a mission like this. So my question is, how do you stay motivated even during a pandemic when the focus shifts to personal safety
1: versus worrying about what other people are going through? How did you make it through? You think about what you're grateful for and all the good things that are in life and being, you know, healthy and things like that. And just believing that there'll be a better tomorrow. I think that's the main thing is even when the days are difficult, which happens a lot. And it's like, you know, you're struggling for money, struggling for so many things all the time. It's believing that things will get better and what goes down will come back up and you just got to hang on. What have you learned about the human condition from your work with Project SMILE? I believe most people are fundamentally good. And I think that people deserve a second chance. And especially with this program, I've seen a lot of men that have been in prison for, you know, 15, 20, sometimes 30 years. For serious crimes, right? You look at them today and you're like, you know, people deserve second chances and a chance for a new beginning. I think people deserve that. I'm thinking about the
0: police officers and the firefighters who see things every day, Mm -hmm. like taking a starving child out of a home and handing them a stuffed animal that you provided there yeah. must be lots of stories about those too.
1: Yeah, definitely. Emergency responders and also the social workers that give out stuffed animals for kids. And over the years, we've done some baby shower events for the Department of Children and Families because they had such an influx of babies that were coming into care. and We were able to collect baby items for them. There are so many stories and you realize you want to help as much as you can. Let's go back to your early life and talk about where you come from
0: and a little bit about your upbringing. So I came from England. I was born there. Really? I did, we Where yes. in England? London.
1: Yeah. This is an interesting story. <laughs> so how did you end up in the United States? Uh, well, my dad was American. My mom is Scottish. So they met, my, my father was doing some work in, in London. My mom was working there. As so they met, long story short, they had me. Then my dad came back to the United States with me. And my three younger siblings were all born here. I had a major British accent when I came. But I was teased mercilessly when I was a little girl. And so I ended up losing the accent very quick. What was life like in your house? My siblings will call me their second mom because it's like, there's a pretty significant age gap between me and them. So and my mom is an amazing person. My father always helped us. Both both my parents did. You believe in you can do anything. You can be anything. That idea of, I think especially for girls, there's three girls and one boy. It's like that idea of you can do whatever you want. There's like really no limitations. What town did you grow up in and what's that like? We grew up in a small town called Westport Point. It's down um, southeastern Mass, like right near the ocean. And then I went to New York City. I was homeschooled for a bit for high school. And I went to New York City when I was 16 and then went to college. You went to New York City when you
0: were 16 years old? I
1: did, There's yes. got to be
0: a story there.
1: <laughs> yeah, my dad was encouraging at one point to, um, you know, go to, he wanted me to go to art school. And so I was taking, went to art school for like almost a year but I went to Hunter College in New York. Yeah, so it was a pretty
0: interesting experience living in New York City at a young age. You got your master's degree from Anna Maria College here in Massachusetts. What's your degree in? Criminal justice. Criminal justice. Okay, I'm learning so many interesting <laughs> things about you. What led you toward criminal justice?
1: Well, so when I was an undergraduate student, I would sometimes walk by, there was a John Jay College of Criminal Justice. And so then I was always found that college looked interesting. And I was like, remember going online reading about the school and I was like, oh, it's like programs. It's so interesting. But at that time I was already, already getting my bachelor's in English. So it wasn't like I really wanted to switch, but I was just found it fascinating. So fast forward a few years later, I decided, okay, like I think I want to pursue a master's degree, but I want to get in something that I find really super interesting. And so that was criminal justice. Isn't it interesting also that we go through
0: chapters in our lives and there you were getting a master's degree in criminal justice and then years later you're founding an organization called Project Smile. You're dealing with police officers, firefighters, EMS people around children being rescued in situations needing stuffed animals, needing comfort and care and then you're creating Project Suits and Smiles so that you can provide clothing to men who've been incarcerated who, as you say, deserve a second chance.
1: Yeah, it's like full circle, right?
0: It feels like that, doesn't it? Yeah. Who were your role models when you were growing up? I have to say my mom was my major
1: role model. Now you sound British. My mom. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's funny. The thing I love most about my mother is that she's always very positive. Like No matter what, she's a very positive person. So even when you're down about something, it's just like our outlook is always like, and not to the point where it's like, oh, like, you know, rose colored glasses, but just encouraging and optimistic. And that to me is, I think one of the most important qualities a person can have in general is just the optimism and encouragement, encouraging yourself and encouraging other people. Well, speaking of being
0: encouraged by others, I'm going to guess that there were though, some naysayers when you decided that you were going to create Project Smile. And you probably had to stay really focused. I believe that when you create a nonprofit or you create a small business, you're an
1: entrepreneur. Oh, yes, for sure. Did you have people saying, what are you doing this for? You get a lot of people that obviously don't help. <laughs> so that's about, almost the same, right? I take advice. When people give good, solid advice, like that's wonderful and that's really helpful. And the ones that come, you know, that aren't really either interested or... Negative. Yeah, you just kind of like tune it out to the point where I don't even really even remember that. Any advice for
0: another woman who is listening to our program and has an idea for a nonprofit?
1: I think to start small and don't worry about you have to know everything or learn everything. Basically, when I started, I was, what, 24, 23 years old and didn't know hardly anything. And I also think that's fine. And sometimes people get in their head, oh, I have to know everything about a topic or learn everything before I do anything. It's not true. You can start, you can reach out to people, but just start small and then take it from there.
0: What do you wish you knew back in 2003? when you were
1: just getting started with Project Smile. I think I would have told myself don't worry so much. It's probably still good advice to give myself, even though I don't probably don't listen to that one. But yeah. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? It's hard. I mean right now the biggest obstacle is raising money, right? And it's been that way for what's going on almost two years now. So you try to be creative, come up with different strategies. It can be depending on the problem, it's you know, it can be very, very challenging. So it's just, you know, I think it's like not giving up is the most important thing and just keep working at it. When you're not
0: trying to raise money for Project Smile or Suits and Smiles, what's your favorite pastime? What do you do to just unwind? I love gardening. I've gotten into it. Me too. This. Oh, dear. Isn't it wonderful? It's so gratifying <laughs> yeah. because I can stand back and go, oh,
1: that looks so good. Yeah. It's visual. Right. right. Tell me about your garden. Yeah, we um, started working on it. It's, only, it's been fairly recent, like two, three years now. But every year it keeps expanding in the front. And I love it. And I love even now that it's still so much in bloom. We've got dahlias and zinnias so that are like still going full speed. And, and it brings so much joy. I, I walk out there and I take my little cup of tea and I wander around the garden. And I'm like, oh, I feel so happy. Many of the women that I'm
0: interviewing these days say that the pandemic changed them somewhere deep down inside. How did it change you?
1: To be perfectly honest, I don't think it did change. I know some people are like, oh, I don't take things for granted anymore. You know, it's just I never really did that. So I'm happy for the good days. I feel like I've always appreciated the small moments. So I'm sorry, I wish I, I wish I could say something more profound. But you no, know. I actually
0: think it's a great answer. Because it sounds to me like you didn't need to stop and smell the roses. And you didn't need to have a sense of gratitude.
1: You've always been surrounded by that. I have. Yeah. And you know, When you think about the pandemic itself, and so many people have lost so much, right? So I think just to be healthy and alive, and you know, I still got my business and people have lost jobs, and they're still not back to where they were, you know, it's been a terrible time for so many people. So I'm just happy that everybody that I know and love, we're all okay, we're moving forward and healthy. What is the best piece of advice, whether that's personal or professional that you've ever received in your life? I think it's actually just from my mom when she told me in the very, very beginning when I was thinking about going that route of following Project Smile. And she was like, yeah, you can do it. Keep going. And even now when I get stressed out or I'm just, you know, things aren't working so well. She's like, it's okay. <laughs> that's, that's just those simple words of like, "Yeah, it's okay. Keep going. You can do it. What is next for Project Smile besides trying to raise a whole bunch of money? <laughs> it's to keep growing our Suits and Smiles program. Yeah, that's a major goal. Um, And then hopefully, you know, eventually over the years for it to spread out, to have other chapters, similar to like Dress for Success. But our goal would be to do that as well as to because there is so much need and to be able to grow it across the country.
0: At this moment, what does success mean to you? How do you define
1: it in your terms? Success is when we have clients coming in and I see them in their new interview outfits. And then we hear afterwards that they got a job. That to me is success. It's like because you help somebody on their path to a better tomorrow. I want to say thank you so
0: much. We've been talking about Project Smile. Catherine Pizzicani, thank you so much for joining us and being featured this week on the story behind her success. Thank you, Candy. It's wonderful to be here. And there she is, this week's guest, Catherine Pizzicani. She's the founder of Project Smile and the initiative Suits and Smiles. If you'd like to make a donation to her nonprofit, just go to projectsmile.org. And you can also text Project SMILE to 22828 to join their email newsletter and so much more. This is Candy O'Terry saying thank you so much for listening and for hitting that follow button if you wouldn't mind. Maybe leave us a review. That would be awesome. Be sure to tell your friends about the show as well. I'll have a fresh, inspiring story for you to hear next week on the story behind her success. And remember, when we lift each other up, we all rise.